A reading from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. The word of the Lord. Oh, my soul, bless 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 the Lord. Oh, my soul. Sometimes you repeat a song and they put that repetition in the song for a purpose because blessing God has nothing to do with our feelings. And there are moments when you have to command your soul to bless the Lord because your feelings don't feel like blessing God. But the psalmist, the Hebrew writer says, we can command our souls to bless God even when we don't feel like it. Do I have a few people that really don't feel like praising God this morning, but you're going to take another step this morning on Palm Sunday and command your soul to praise the Lord this morning? Amen. Great City, we begin a new series on Holy Week, beginning at Palm Sunday and continuing through Resurrection Sunday, entitled Words of Life. In John's genealogy, he begins this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John describes Jesus as the Word. He's the Word of life that dwelt among us. We're examining the Word of Jesus on Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and we'll close with the Word on the Resurrection Sunday. We used to have a saying in our, uh, in our culture, in our society, saying sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that's only true if you're talking about the word and the words of Jesus, which is the one that came to earth to save us, to redeem us, to make us new again. That is the God that will keep us. This week, the word Jesus is on display. And the question I have for us this morning, how should we respond to the word of life? Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. The privilege and honor to, to bless and honor your name. 
Now, God, I pray that you are the potter. We are the clay. Mold us, shape us, make us, break us to what you need us to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority. Minister through our minds. Speak with our tongue. Love with our hearts. In Jesus' name, we pray and all God's children say amen. Amen. You may be seated in his presence. They took palm branches, went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, Lord, blessed is the king of Israel. For the time that's mine this morning, I just want to talk this morning from this topic. The word needs a response. The word needs a response. Bob, I am clear that one of the ways we know something is dead is when it is non-responsive. For us to classify something as alive or living, that must have the ability to respond to life. When you are non-responsive, you oftentimes say something is wrong. As a leader, I have learned that when people are not responding, there is something that's wrong. I don't know if you ever had a moment where there was a shift in leadership, but the people did not respond well to the leader. One of the reasons why people are non-responsive to new leadership is because oftentimes they haven't done the great job with building trust. Trust is something that is earned and never given. Dr. Walter Scott Thomas, the senior pastor of the New Psalmist Baptist Church, taught in our doctoral program that trust is not gained from your title, your degree, but trust is gained from a collision, a collision of integrity colliding with competency, then people will begin to move towards trust. Let me say that again, integrity colliding with competency, and then people will move towards trust. Integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral upright. Competency is the ability to do something successful and effective. Listen, Grace City, Jesus is letting the people know that, only, that not only does he have integrity, but he has competency. The people were expecting the Messiah 700 years to come to earth and deliver all that was promised 700 years ago. They were standing in expectation of someone who had integrity and competency to deliver what it is they were expecting. Jesus began letting them know that early in his ministry when he walked into the synagogue in Luke 4 and he opened up the scriptures and he read those scriptures and he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord. Then watch what Jesus does, Marjorie. Then he rolls up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. And he said, today the scriptures are fulfilled. Jesus, in other words, Jesus was saying that which you've been waiting on is now here. That which you've been expecting, I am it. He's saying I am that thing that you've been waiting on. I am the Messiah. I am your deliverer. I am your protector. I am him. But John the writer is very clear that connecting his integrity or what he says he is 
to his competency is very important. So John does something throughout the book of John and says, talks about who he is by his words. He says, I am the bread of life. Jesus makes a statement about who he is, which is his integrity, but he backs it up with something that he does. He says, I am the light of the world. He talks about who he is, but he backs it up with what he does. He says, I am the door, but he, but, but he says who I am, who he is, and then he backs it up with what he does. He says, I am the good shepherd. Uh, he says who he is, but he backs it up with what he does. He says, I am the resurrection, <laughs> but, uh, but, he, but he says that's, who, that's what I am, but he backs it up with who he is. Uh, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what he says, but, but he backs it up <laughs> with what he does. <laughs> he says, I am the true vine, <laughs> but, but that's what his words say, but he backs it up with what he does. <laughs> uh, great city, I come to tell you in other words, it is integrity crashing with competency that Jesus says to his audience, I am the Messiah and you can trust me. Jesus says, it's not about what I say, it's about what I do. <laughs> Good God Almighty. I think you just missed that. Because many of us in our faith think our faith is about what we say. But our faith is more about what we do. John 4, there's an official comes to Jesus and says, my son is about to die. And Jesus tells him, no, your son is going to live. And guess what? His son lives. It's not about what you say. It's about what you do. Jesus goes to a sheep gate pool, see a man there sitting by the pool. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And guess what? That man got up and walked because it's not about what you say. It's about what you do. There was a blind man who was there as well who was sitting there at the pool and uh, he made a spit mud pie. He put spit in the ground, put dirt on his eyes, put it on his eyes, said, go to the pool, come back, and you're going to see. And guess what? That, mind, that man was able to see. It's not about what you say. It's about what you're able to do. Well, in chapter 11, I'm almost there, uh, at chapter 12. Well, in chapter 11, he, 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 he sees a man. He has a conversation with his good friend Lazarus. He loved him so much. And then the sister comes to him and says, Lazarus is about to die. But he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And his friend who dies gets resurrected, and he gets up again. Guess what? It's not about what you say. It's about what you're able to do. Well, this is where we are in the text this morning. We find Jesus coming to the Passover festival. We know that he was there six days before the home of his friend Lazarus from whom he raised from the dead. While he was there, Mary was uh, wiped the feet of Jesus with a costly perfume in which we know that symbolizes the last rites before someone dies. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And we know that this festival is the Passover. There are two crowds, one crowd coming to celebrate the Passover. The Passover is a celebration of the deliverance of Israel, that Israel from the Exodus. The Passover is, you know, the Passover when the story in Exodus when the death angel was coming by and to kill all the people and all of a sudden everyone that was in the house, if you had blood on the doorpost, that means the death angel would pass over that family. That's what the Passover symbolized. So there's a crowd there 
to celebrate, watch this, the Passover. And, 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 that, and there was another crowd there that knew Lazarus had died, and Jesus raised him up from the dead, and there were people there to witness this great miracle, Lazarus being resurrected. There was a crowd coming to see Jesus, not because of what he said, but because of what he does. He has lived up to the mission statement. He has served the poor. He has healed the sick. He has raised the dead. And now comes the collision. One crowd is there to celebrate the Passover. Another crowd is there to celebrate a man being raised from the dead. One crowd is there to celebrate the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's the one that have mercy on us. There's another crowd there that's there to see the witness of a resurrection. They discover this collision of the Passover lamb who takes away the sins of the world and the one that has the power to raise people from the dead. And they are now confronted with a realization that this man is the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they find them coming to the actualization that he is the Messiah. He is the word of life through actions. They discover the word of life. They, and guess what, church? They have to respond. If Jesus is who he says he is, as he's done all that, if he's fit his resume, if his integrity and his competency is in a line, we can trust him, then you have to respond. There must be a response. If he who he says he is, the one you have faith in, the one that's going to save the world, the one that's going to change our lives, you have to respond. Great city, when you're standing in front of the living word, the bread of life, the one sent from glory, many things on earth, a holy king, a carpenter, a gentle redeemer with us, living with us, awesome ruler, a gentle redeemer. He is Jesus, Jesus. If he is our Messiah, you've got to respond. Great city, we've got to respond. Great city, the word needs a response. Well, John, how should we respond? The first thing I see from John is that our first response is blessing Jesus. <laughs> uh, I think you already sung about it. Our first response is to bless Jesus. And it is in a text. The next day. The great crowd that had to come from a festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palms, branches, went out to meet him and said, Hosanna, Lord, blessed is the king of Israel. What does it mean that we can bless the Lord or bless God? How can we bless God? If God is perfect, how can we bless him? To bless God simply means to praise him, to honor his name. The Hebrew word bless means to fall on your knees, literally. It is the idea of honoring him. We do not add anything to God. We do not add anything from our blessing. Yet we worship him as an appropriate response to his greatness and his love for us. It's simply, blessing God is simply an appropriate response to 
to his goodness and his love and his mercy. It's simply appropriate to bless him, to honor him. The one that is the anointed one, the one that is the savior, the one that is the protector, the one that is the healer, the one that died for you and me, the one who conquered death in the grave. It is simply appropriate to bless our God. We need to respond. Blessing God is Blessing is about, not about our feelings. Blessing God is a response to his goodness, mercy, and his grace. I started saying this earlier when I opened up, but it wasn't about feelings when the psalmist writes in the psalms. He commands his soul. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. Listen, you got to talk. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. You got to command your soul, even when you don't feel like it, because he's worthy, church. He deserves it. He, does, he needs, ah, thank you, Lord, your response. If I was the president of the United States and walked in the room, you would stand up and respect and honor his office. If I walked in here with a cane and a cap and I was Bishop Barnes, you would stand up and honor my position. If I was in the military and I served in the military, you would give me a standing ovation for my service. Well, if Jesus, who is the Passover lamb, the God who takes away sins of the world, the one that went to the cross and died for you and me and rose from the dead, I think it would be robbery for him, the one that freed you, the one that forgave you, the one that redeemed you, the one that reconciled you. I think it would be robbery on Palm Sunday 2022 for us to sit here and not raise our palms and open up our mouths and give God a praise this morning. God deserves a response. The first response I see is blessing Jesus. But the second response I see is beholding Jesus. Beholding Jesus. Here it is in the text. Jesus found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written. He said, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Here it is. See your king is coming, seating on a donkey's colt. The word behold simply means church to see. Jesus is sitting on a donkey in the text. And he says, don't be afraid. Behold him. Your king is coming. Telling people to see him, behold him. That's so important, church. Jesus is sitting on the donkey very intentional in the text. Yes, we talk about his humility, but he's the fulfillment of a prophecy. That's important. He, watch this. He's sitting on the donkey. Watch this, y'all. 
remember the title, because he's the fulfillment of the word that was given 700 years ago. But here's the problem. There are two types of people that are around, those who accept him and those who have rejected him. And I believe that maybe the rejecting of Jesus has more to do with the people having a picture of who they thought Jesus should be versus what Jesus became. But you got to understand, Jesus is not obligated to the picture you create of him in your head. He's obligated to his word. Zechariah 9 and 9 says he's coming on a donkey. Zechariah 9 says 700 years ago that our king is coming this way as a symbol of humility. But here's the problem. We got a picture in our head that he's coming on a stallion as a warrior to knock down and kill everything that stood in our way who oppressed us and destroyed us. I'm coming. Out. That's the God that's coming to destroy our. That's the picture we have in our mind about Jesus. But he comes <laughs> on a donkey. Be careful. I, I promise you, just listen to me because listen to me closely. Problem is, I'm using a word out of King James, okay? The word I'm going to use is in King James, all right? The problem with us, if all we do is reduce Jesus to a man that's sitting on an ass, we will reject that God. The word ass is donkey, it's in the King James Version. Look it up in your, I'm not cussing. Ass is in the King James. But if we reduce God down to a man sitting on an ass, we will reject him. But if you could behold him, <laughs> if you could see him with your Holy Spirit, through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to see him that he's the hope you've been waiting for. You'll be able to see him that he's the joy that you've been waiting for. You'll be able to hold that he's the peace that you've been waiting for. You'll be able to see that he is the one that can rescue you. It's so important, church, that we don't reduce God to the picture we have in our own heads to what he is and who he's supposed to be in our lives. He is obligated to the word, and he looked just like Zechariah 99. <laughs> Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophet. If you could behold him, he is the one that brings grace towards me. If you could behold him, he is the one that brings love towards me. If you could behold him, he is the one that brings peace towards me. If you behold him, he is the one that fulfills our hope. The songwriter had it right. Open up the eyes of my heart so that I may see you. Open up the eyes of my heart so I may see you. Don't give me. Okay. okay. Oh, it got good to me. I, I might need a handheld for this one. Yeah. So the first thing I see is response by blessing him. The second thing I see, you have to behold, you're beholding him. But here's the last thing. The response, our response is believing Jesus. 
Verse 16, after Jesus and the disciples did not understand all this, only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done for to him. Now the crowd that was with him, when he was called Lazarus from the tomb, raised from the dead, continued to spread the word. The text says that the disciples did not understand Jesus, but they still believed. The disciples did not understand Jesus because I know they believed because they kept spreading the word of who Jesus was. You know, uh, for many of us, in order for us to believe something, we need to understand it. <laughs> uh, and that's an error. It may work in business, but it's bad in the kingdom. <laughs> Here in, 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 in the kingdom of God, you have to begin with believing him, trusting him. See, see, we in the kingdom of God have a faith that we are led by. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not thing. Watch this. The word in the Greek for faith is the same word as belief. It's the Greek word pistis. They are the same word. So in order, so when we have a relation, even when we don't understand it, we can still trust them when we don't understand. Why can we trust them? Because his competency and his integrity went crashing. <laughs> he is who he said he is. So for the believer, even when you don't understand him, you can trust him. See, see. Understanding about Jesus for these guys, it, it, you can get understanding on two ways, foresight or hindsight. He gave you the foresight, but even when you have foresight, you don't have the full picture until you get hindsight. I, let, me, let me prove to you. It is it at least three times in the scripture he says, the son of man will live, die, and be raised from the dead. At least Three times. The text says they didn't understand it until they got hindsight. <laughs> and they actually says, it actually, when he got hindsight, they glory, it, when, when, when he was glorified. <sighs> Let's take this on for size. Is it some things in life right now that we're not understanding about God? And you waiting for the understanding before you move. But what would it look like if we would just trust him and believe him right now for who he is and what he says he does. And in our glorifying him, we will find understanding. <laughs> uh, what, would, what would it look like for you to have the foresight that whatever you're going through right now, you already have the victory. <laughs> what would that foresight look like? And even though you don't understand how it's going to change and how it's going to work out, what would it look like if we were to raise our hands, give God praise like I already have the victory, like I'm already making it through as if, what would that look like? Maybe you would get some hindsight and some foresight on what's next. So I'm telling you, he's not telling you that he deserves a response. I believe that if we would just 
open up our mouths, if we would lift our hands and worship at the moments when we don't understand, church, I believe God will reveal himself like never before. <laughs> I close this way, church. Come on, worship team. Our God deserves a response. His response is a blessing him. His response is beholding him. And his response is believing him. And even though you may be depressed, even though you may be down, even though your soul may be weary, you don't understand why life is where it is. The psalmist puts it all together and he says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up the everlasting door. Why? Because the king of glory shall come in. He raises a question. Who is the king of glory? He's our Lord, strong and mighty. He's our Lord, mighty in battle. Our God deserves a response.